Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. BWI Thursdays. I'm Thomas Frank Carr filling in for Sean Fitz. We are going to talk Penn State football. There is a big game coming up this weekend because it is November, and there's always a big game. Every game is important for Penn State football, uh, unless you read the internet. Penn State and Maryland coming up on Saturday. We'll talk about that and uh, get into some of the uh, interesting matchups, some of the stuff coming up in the game. Also, practice observations on the way on the BWI Daily Edition. Thursday edition of the BWI Daily means Nate Bauer is back. Nate, what's going on? T. Frank, you got me cracking up already, buddy. Which part? Because <laughs> I thought that was subpar, to be honest. No, I, th- I thought it was great. The uh, Every game's a big game unless you read the internet. I thought that was... <laughs> I really liked that because it it hit very... Uh, it, it meshed well with what I thought... As soon as I went to uh, ESPN's FPI, right? They have uh, the football predictor, you know, index or whatever it is. Uh, But it's a fairly good read, especially at this point of the season from an analytical perspective of how Mm -hmm. good or bad teams are. And you can look at Maryland and say six and three. Oh, well, that's relatively expected um, that that they would be a, a decent team. But after last weekend, 23 to 10, that was a dominating kind of win for Wisconsin. And so it just, it feeds into this narrative that Penn state fans, I think have had really since the Ohio state game of, Oh, okay, well this, you know, they're going to walk to 10 and two. Everybody keeps talking about 10 and two, 10 and two, 10 and two. Maryland's like 36 in the FBI. Like they're not, uh, they're not a trash team. Like they're going to come to Penn state. It's going to be a game that, very clearly, obviously, they care about. They beat Penn State two years ago at Penn State. Um, you know, I, I, I will I will be somewhat surprised if this isn't at least a competitive game. Um, yeah. You know, so. And, 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 you know, whenever we talk about Penn State and this narrative, like you just said, of 10 and 2 and predicting wins, um, I'm getting around to this. This is something I talked about with Greg Pickle on yesterday's BWI Daily is, I'm getting to the point that now I am expecting 30 points from this offense because it's happened routinely this year outside of a couple of games. Mm-hmm. But would you would you say that you trust this team with Sean Clifford at quarterback? I would not say that. You know, yeah. there's always some weird game. If the weather is a factor, they, they have been a little off kilter if uh, conditions aren't right, literally, or, you know, the mix up front and we're going to get into all of these things by the way on the bwi daily edition get into some of the matchups coming up this weekend some of the interesting things for both teams in terms of injury and availability all that stuff but the first thing i want you to do um i you are the fuel to our rocket ship that is that is my message to you who is listening and watching help us out like the video if you're watching on youtube if you're if you're downloading and subscribing on our podcast platform 
Thank you so much. We've reached some milestones in year number one, full year number one that I never expected with this podcast. So thank you so much. I'm humbled by that. Please let us uh, help us keep growing. Rate, review, subscribe. And uh, here's another thing that I think we should point out. Uh, the looks like game, not as much fun as you might think. So if you're going to be leaving comments, you know, make them uh, about something other than what people look like, you know, because uh, this isn't high school. Anyway, let's get into Penn State practice yesterday. You were with the defense. I yeah. had the uh, the luxury of being with the offense. So I want you to go first because I'm hoping you have more than I do. <laughs> what did you see uh, with at open practice? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I thought yesterday was kind of loose. Uh, I, I, I said it in the post-practice notes, um, and this is kind of dumb because, you know, how, how can you tell from a 15, 20 minute snapshot? But I, I think that my read is there is a concerted effort at this point in the season. You're in the November. It's the middle of November. Uh, practice can stink. Right at this yeah. at this point of the season, as the player, as the coach, you're just you know you're you're trying desperately to avoid going through the motions, and mm -hmm. I I felt that yesterday uh, of in terms of the assistant coaching staff doing all that it could to make practice fun. It seemed like the players were having fun. Uh, it was it was it was pronounced to me. Yeah. Um. Yeah. On the on the defensive side of the ball, the, the actual information people are looking for. Uh. Did not see Curtis Jacobs. Right. Uh, got hurt uh, during the Indiana game, only played a few snaps in that game, came out of the game, uh, and we have not seen him since. I didn't see him on the sideline at all for the rest of that game, uh, and I did not see him yesterday. So clearly, you know, uh, a, an area to be aware of is whether or not he's going to be available, and yeah. I, I would hedge towards not uh, for this weekend. Tyler Elsden was at practice yesterday, didn't see him do a whole lot, which tends to be indicative of guys availability, right? You know, if, if they're, if they're there, but not really, not really engaged uh, very much, then, then usually you can count on, uh, you know, them being at least limited uh, once they get the game time. So that, that was, you know, those were the, the two primary factors on that side of the ball. How about offense for you? Uh, well, as you might expect, I spent a good portion of time with the offensive line as I have for the last two weeks, and it was pretty much what it was last week as well. Um, and and this is something I've noticed, you know, the last two weeks is that, you know, Drew Shelton has been getting all of the attention. You know, I asked James Franklin about it. He kind of dismissed the idea, but uh, Phil Troutwine was with him after every single rep. Caden Wallace was in his ear showing him a bunch of things after every single rep. And, you know, the other players are practicing, too, and other players are getting notes. But it just feels like this huge download of information going to yeah. Drew Shelton to get him ready for these moments. And it's something that I'm interested in coming into this weekend as a preview of, like, matchups and stuff is there's a week of film now. There, there's nothing on Drew Shelton before. Now Maryland, a, a better opponent, is going to have a better plan of attack you know, if he's the starter, which I'm again, we're assuming he is because uh, he was uh, Olaf Fashanu was not there, nor was uh, Landon Tangwell, obviously, who we know now is done for the season. Yeah. Um, but that group, there were more people this week than they were. There were last week 
as far as like regular starters. So a little more encouraging, although I did not see Salim Wormley going. Same thing as, you know, Tyler uh, Elsden didn't see him going through any actual contact, but he was yeah. there. He and Caden Wallace were both there participating in practice. So however that shakes out for the rest of the week, if they start participating, we saw Wormley play last week. So it better sign that he's at practice this week as opposed to last <laughs> week, where, which he wasn't. Yeah. So it, it feels like things are getting a little bit back on track, but there's still that huge left tackle. I wouldn't call it a question mark, but obvious uncertainty of the future. Yeah, I think I think the the point to make here uh, with with Olu is when talking about Drew Shelton on Wednesday night. Right. Just let's follow the dots. Let's connect the dots here. Yeah. <laughs> James Franklin said of Drew Shelton, they would love to redshirt him, uh, but he doesn't know if that's going to be feasible this yep. season. Well, why? Right. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> why, why, why would it not be feasible if, if the guys played in uh, three games and you expect Ulu Fashanu to be back, then you wouldn't necessarily have that uncertainty because he, because obviously Drew Shelton could play this week and you would still have, um, you know, the, that availability for Olu the rest of the way. Yeah. You know, uh, read between the lines. Uh, yeah. Olu is unlikely to return during the regular season, uh, at yeah. least. So, and so yeah, you get so, into the bowl situation, which could be for a number of, you know, situations of still injured, goes to the draft, whatever, yep. that if you don't have that extra game in your pocket, then Shelton, even if even if Fashanu comes back for the final two games and then leaves for the draft, you still have a fifth game that is on the table. Yeah, and and I, I do think that it's important. Um, uh, Mark Brennan asked a great question last night in terms of leading Franklin into not necessarily discussing the injury itself, but the motive behind Olu's absence, because it's been talked about a little bit, is, oh, is this precautionary for yeah. a draft situation for Olu? Yeah. And Franklin made it plain, no, this is an injury. He's hurt. It, it, it's a medical situation. Um, it, it is not about draft consideration. Uh, and so that, you know, Penn State's just going to have to deal with that moving forward, uh, you know, for however long he happens to be out. I think he would be one that should still play in the bowl game if he goes to the NFL. And here, here's why. This is a very interesting situation. I, I've talked about this before, but guys who go to the NFL at 20, and he'll be 20 when he gets to the NFL, there mm -hmm. has, in the last, I think, since 2017, there's been one player that's been, you know, in the top graded, you know, as a shortcut using PFF grades in the NFL, one player who's been 20 years old that has performed in the top 25. And that was Panay Sewell, who was considered a generational physical talent. Yeah. I, I think that the play strength and everything talking about Olu when in pass protection, that makes sense. I haven't seen dominant run blocking from him to be on that level. And it gets to a, you know, it gets even more serious in the NFL. So that time and development and he won't have a full season of film. He won't have one full season of film before going to the NFL draft and presumably being a top five pick. Now yeah. I'm more conservative in these situations, but if you're a general manager taking a guy in the top five, which is what we're talking about with Fijanu, I understand the physical talent, but there are still unknowns there. So I, 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 I get the fact that everyone's in love with him right now, but we, we poke holes in all of these things 
and there's six months to do it. So every single rep is going to matter and be dissected for him over the next couple of months. And all the love you hear for him now is going to be like, well, maybe he's not the best run blocker in the world. And I don't like this or that. Like everyone loves the tools. They love the pass protection and that's legit. But I, I, I think that there's more that he needs to do in terms of that side of things. And, and, you know, I'd be concerned about that part, but yeah, you know, that's just me. Well, it's, it's also the, the, the counterpoint to everyone who is not, not wrongly thinking to themselves, Oh, well, there's no way he comes back. Right. Is, Oh, he can't possibly turn down uh, being a top five pick. Well, if there's a reason to not do that, James Franklin already mentioned the academic aspect that is important to Olu and his family. He's an ac- academic all Big Ten type, type kid, uh, could be academic All-American. It's also what you just said uh, is that 20-year-old thing, right? He turns 20 in December. So if he's drafted into the NFL, you know, you're talking about him being really 20 years old in like four months, <laughs> Right. When he, when he gets drafted, that that's just right. super young. And so there, yeah. there are, uh, you know, not, not that there aren't risks involved in everything. Obviously there are, yeah. but th- there are risks to that side of things as well of going too early, being ahead of when you're prepared, uh, to, to play at that level and to yeah. be in that type of an environment. So it, it's going to be, I'm, I'm, fascinated to see how that situation plays out because certainly if you're Penn state and you're a Penn state fan pulling for him to return, if he does return and we saw what Penn state's offensive line looked like last week against a bad Indiana team granted, but you see some of those pieces, you see the elements of, Hey, like they they could be good up front like with the with the first with the like good good actual good yeah but also have depth behind it that's pretty good so uh, you know there's a lot of potential there it seems like for penn state's offensive line moving forward yeah and this is kind of the the thing with how everything played out this year it's a little bit disappointing knowing you know i i'm fairly convinced that Landon Tangwall wasn't healthy at all at any 100%. point of the season. And totally. and you never got that combination of what we saw from Tangwall his freshman season and uh Fashanu together. I'd love to see that once. I just want to outside of one bowl game in, last yeah. January, I'd love to see it uh you know kind of in in a in a more fully mature form, but who knows, you know? And yeah. then when you the the interesting thing is and this gets into a fully NFL and this is very little to do with Penn state, but the, the conversation around offensive linemen, if you, if you look historically and I've listened to a lot of podcasts about drafts and stuff like that, offensive linemen have late breakouts in college. They have late breakouts. So guys that are juniors, you tend to see like, that's when, when the physical maturity kicks in and you know, they've been in the weight program and now they start to play well. And then when you get to the NFL, there's another lag, there's another two, maybe three years. So, Obviously, Fashanu had his breakout season. This is his third year in college. That tracks. But um, the youth and then going to the next level, are you going to be waiting three years for your top five pick to play well? Right. And then at that point, you're halfway through, you're more than halfway through his contract. Do you give him the fifth year option? Do you believe that he's going to turn the corner in year four? All of those things become kind of complicated scenarios if you're drafting a younger offensive lineman who is less proven than somebody else who maybe has fewer skills, but 
you still put in the same kind of bucket. So I, I think those are also things that are going to come into the conversation at some point with Vishanu. But here's the thing. Talent's the most important part. And he has everything you're looking for in a left tackle. So all of my concerns and my nerdy nitpicking might not matter whatsoever. Um, with this offensive line, do you think that the current construction, like what's your thoughts on what how they did last week and, and how that projects going forward, given where we've, we've seen them already? I'll, I'll just, what I'm going to be interested to see is how they manage red shirts. Um, yeah. Because it's, it's, it's fairly plain that they're going to have to try. Right? I mean, depending on what happens with Caden Wallace, who was back, but like you said, um, at practice, not, not participating. He, you warmed up in Indiana, uh, obviously was there on that trip, but didn't, didn't really warm up. There's these levels. Um, you know, we saw it from Kevon Lee uh, a couple of weeks ago for the home game, right? Came out, was not dressed, then was dressed, kind of went through the motions, but didn't have any actual physical content, cat to contact, excuse me. And a lot of these, what it appears to me, and again, this is a reading between the lines, but these are, these are physician decisions, right? Like the, the physicians of the team are saying, Hey, you can go to this level, but we're not going to let you go past that. And yeah. so it's, it seems like that's kind of the case with James Franklin talking about last week, hoping to get uh Caden Wallace back gets the game time. A doctor makes a call and, and that's it. It's, it's either go or not. And in that case, it wasn't obviously James Franklin is hoping to have Caden Wallace back this week, which would really help. Right? <laughs> like It would really help them uh, in terms of Bryce Efner's flexibility to, to provide, um, you know, you could move him inside if you needed to. If you were yeah. trying to avoid a situation where uh, JB Nelson obviously had to come in for Hunter Norzad last week, we got to see yep. what's up with Norzad. Norzad's back for um, that was something that was announced this week. Norzad is going to be back uh, for next season for Penn State, which is a big boost, another big boost for the offensive line. Um, just, just a lot of moving parts. It seems like a lot of guys. James Franklin, you know, <laughs> he. he he talked about it on Tuesday of it's 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 not fair to understanding what his policy is and what what he would like to do with injuries and not talking specifically about injuries is yeah. all fine and well but it takes away from and he acknowledged this it takes away from the credit that is due to the players who fill in yeah. and to Phil Troutline for you know making chicken salad out of a yeah. situation that is <laughs> much worse and much more dire than it necessarily seems on, on its face. Like you have some of these guys who are either playing through injury, clearly yep. playing through injury yep. or can't play altogether. <laughs> so that, that it's just been, I think a real balancing act. And I would be very surprised if it doesn't continue to be a balancing act, choosing how to spend these games. If you're still dead set. And I think that they are, um, you know, with a certain level of flexibility, obviously you, you're, you're trying to win the game first and foremost, but yeah. if, if you can preserve those red shirts, you, you want to do that because those players have sacrificed so much to this point in the season in the first place. Yeah. I'm pulling this up quickly uh, here so I can, we can get an accurate update. Um, but right now, Vega Iwane has two games and JB Nelson has three. So yep. if we're assuming that the situation is Drew Shelton is playing and that's kind of set in stone. Those are the two you're trying to juggle of 
do you play Vega this game so that you can get them both patchwork to four if anything else happens with Hunter, who's been in and out with a couple of injuries so far this year, although he has looked better even coming back into the game uh, last week. He looked better than he did when he returned the first time. Uh, yeah. I think, was that against Ohio Minnesota? I forget which game he came back for, but he did not look good when he came back originally, but he does seem like he's he's healthier now. He, he's but he's been banged up all year, you yeah. know. And and the thing, the the exacerbating issue that people don't, um, it's not that people don't recognize it, but it's not talked about is Nick Dawkins is obviously out for the season. So yeah. they've like they're just the the interior depth. Uh, Golden uh, Israel Achumba it has not been available. Like you know, so you just have these uh, all of the fail safes and the backstops aren't there right now. Yeah. Which, you know, like maybe you could get by without having to use some of these guys, but they're in a situation now where, you know, you're, you're probably going to have to figure it out. You're going to have to, to play with it. So, yeah. We'll see. One other note is the last two weeks I've been basically with the offensive line the entire time watching and, and getting some feel for that. Vega Yuane has been learning to snap the last two weeks. And, and I asked, juice scruggs about like is there a secret to snapping because again when we get into the maryland conversation there's there's a there's a big part about centers and snapping and if you get into a situation where a freshman who played left tackle in high school has to snap the ball what's the secret to getting it down quickly because if that's the case i know that they've got hunter norzad and juice on the on the roster but you know break glass in case of emergency what's <laughs> what happens when you don't when you can't snap the football uh yeah. he, he's like you just got to get used to it there's nothing there's nothing special about it but it's a, it's an interesting situation okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. James Franklin spoke with the media yesterday. Anything from his comments that stand out to you about uh, this game? or Because I know we covered some of them talking about Drew Shelton. Anything else that he said that you found interesting? No, not not really. I, I mean, certainly the uh, Khalil Dinkins note to specifically be asked about him. I do think that that has been uh, uh, overlooked. I'm not sure if that's the right word, but Tyler Warren just has been he's had a diminishing uh, role and a diminishing presence. I think the assumption is that he's banged up uh, mm -hmm. or, or has been playing through something. He had five offensive snaps last week and the week before that it was like 11. So, um, you know, where Khalil Dinkins fits in this. And I think, you know, he's a guy that they had some um, some optimism for in the offseason. And, you know, going back to the summer as a guy who was physically maturing, mentally maturing, all, all of the, that development that you'd like to see uh, in a guy's second year, he was making yeah. those strides. So I thought that he, was an interesting point. He was not an obvious fit uh, from his high school recruiting. That's one that I, I'm a little surprised, not that it worked out, you know, because you just never know, but that he has done that so quickly because he was he was mostly a defender in high school and he was kind of used all over the place as as a, you know, a slash player on offense, never yeah. really played tight end. So to take to it so quickly and, and to get his body where it is already, you know, that's really impressive. And, and we talk about Ty Howell and 
question marks about Ty Howell. And even there, you're starting to see the development. Theo Johnson playing better, Ty, and and uh, Dinkins seems to be emerging pretty quickly. So these are kind of the, the nuggets there. Uh, what else were you about to say before I cut you off? Uh, no, just just the last thing was uh, Tagovailoa. Excuse me. Man, I was ready to nail it, and then I messed it up. Um, <laughs> no, just that he's been he's been better. He, yeah, he's he, you know with his and and you've been a guy. Well, it's it's kind of interesting to me because you've been a guy who who liked him. Right? Oh yeah. I, I mean, I think that you see and you can see. I mean, certainly that game in 2020, right? He he played in and played well. I believe. Am I remembering that correctly? I think so. It was a lot of short passes. Uh, but yeah, he extended plays. He was a quick decision maker and he got the ball out. So yeah, I, I but I wouldn't say that he was playing above his head. You know, there was a lot of Penn State was doing some things very wrong in that game too. Yeah. Uh, but in any case, like, you know, uh, just fairly complimentary of him. And I thought that that was relatively noteworthy. Worthy. You, however had a great question at the end that I think he, he acknowledged, right. Which is, yeah. um, you know, well, you explain it better than, than I can. So take the floor. Yeah. So let's just get into it. Cause this gets into the matchup. This gets into Maryland. Um, you know, if you go and look at some of the breakdowns, Talia Tunga Valoa has thrown more screen passes than anyone else in the big 10. Now that's knowing Connor Bazelik didn't play uh, last week. Um, but, you know, Tunga Valoa also was banged up for a little bit and missed stretches of games. So this is a team that loves to throw screens. They love to throw screens. And it's not just like Indiana where they throw the bubble screen out to the flat. They do that as well. But they are in traditional screens, set it up with a running back, invite the pass rush, and then throw it over their heads. They do that very well. And these running backs that they've got are are better athletes than they've had previously. Uh, so how does that change your personality knowing a team wants to screen you to death and Manny Diaz is as aggressive as he is with blitzing linebackers and, and with those players that when they see a guy blocking, there is their trigger is to, you know, go get their man, but that means blitzing. And, and how do you, how do you handle that? And, and basically he said like, it's a good point, something you got to be aware of, but ultimately it's built into the defense. The fail safes are already there of you've got your man. And, and, you know, you've got to be aware of him, the tight end, the running back, the whole player who's kind of the spy. They all have to be buttoned up on their jobs. But the point here is don't fall asleep, right? Don't miss your assignment because if you blitz and you don't pay attention to what that guy is doing and he gives you a false first read, you're going after the quarterback, the ball's over your head, and there's nobody in the middle of the field because everyone else is either in man coverage or they're 10 yards down the field in the zone. So it is something that it's going to be a huge part of this game. And like I said with Greg, I'm expecting some things you haven't seen before. So some screens or some places in this situation, because we talked about regional game, Maryland's going to be up for this game. I believe there's going to be something in the playbook we haven't seen or in a modification where, you know, this is they're shooting their shot at the end of the season against right. Penn State. Right. Um, is that is, is the, the the linebacker situation in particular, if we're to presume that Abdul Carter is going to get the start, uh, if Curtis Jacobs isn't available, is, is yeah. that the type of thing where that inexperience could come to the forefront? Yeah, we've seen him make mistakes in coverage all year. So I do think that that is something that uh, he's got to be aware of. Uh, but Kobe King as well. You know, both of these guys played a lot last week, obviously, for injury. Um, 
and and even if even even if uh, Curtis Jacobs was playing in this game, I don't know it would change a whole lot because they've been going with that big base. Like that's now their new their new base defense is Curtis Jacobs over at the Sam. So maybe this week there was, there would be a little bit more of Curtis Jacobs back over at will and Jonathan Sutherland out there, you know, just kind of to prevent that. But also because Maryland likes to throw the ball like Indiana, maybe that's what you do this week because you know, that's the matchup they like is having Sutherland and his athleticism. But I don't know that it changes anything because Carter was going to play a ton of snaps anyway. So right. it's just about making sure those guys um, pay attention because this is something they've seen all year long. It's something I've been waiting for, <laughs> for some team to take advantage of where you get that blitz trigger and then you leak out and there's nobody there. Penn State has been pretty good about this, but I just it, it's it's part of this defense I saw with Manny Diaz at Miami and I saw how Michigan State in one game in particular took advantage of that. So, you know, kind of historical perspective on it. And maybe I'm just kind of waiting to be proven right. But it's something that, you know, is a part of being aggressive is that teams will take advantage of your aggressiveness at some point. And that's on uh, Tonga Valoa to do, you know, to read that situation right. And um, we were talking before practice. I don't know that the injury necessarily is affecting him physically in his knee because he still made a bunch of guys miss and he was still very elusive, but I felt under pressure. Normally he's playing pretty free and he's, he's doing a good job of, you know, managing that moment. He did not do a good job of managing that moment against Wisconsin led to interceptions, led to sacks, led to a lot of bad plays and ugly, ugly. Even the ones that didn't hurt him looked really ugly where he's between two defenders and he basically slides for zero yards and he, he held onto the ball too long. And he's now, instead of a guy that's extending, he's a guy that's not reading and is just running for his life. He, he, I believe the stat line was 10 of 23 for 77 yards and an interception. Yeah. With, with, I do think he had a touchdown in that game, but um, no, I mean, it's it, to your point, uh, Maryland, for as many injuries as Penn State is dealing with at this point in the season, Maryland has some of their own. I believe that you said that uh, you, you anticipate impacting them in one way or another this weekend. Yeah. So Jakeem Jarrett is questionable with a leg injury. That's the best I could find on the internet, kind of trying to figure all these things out. Um, with Tonga Valoa also banged up, but the offensive line is something I, I was fascinated by. And I did a little bit of digging on this. So Colin Deary is uh, the new center, at least for the last two games. And uh, I am not overly impressed. There, There's two things that you need to do when you're the center that are pretty fundamental to the play. Snap and block. And I did not see him execute either of those at a high level against Wisconsin. The yep. ball was spraying everywhere. And that's another part of the situation last week with Tonga Valoa is that half the time he's reaching over here to get the snap. And so his eyes come off the play. He's late with a bunch of things. And I think that exacerbated the injury situation and his ability to extend plays. Um, Mason, the, the whole situation is Mason Lunford, is either injured or was demoted. So they've reshuffled the interior of their line. Janari Branch has moved to left guard and they put Deary in. Um, on top of that, the young running backs, Roman Hemby, is not a good pass protector. So that's another part of this situation where Penn State, 
hyper aggressive, sends linebackers after the running back. He gave up two sacks this season and three pressures against Wisconsin that killed a couple of plays. So um, that's going to be something that I think that matchup of blitz versus screen is going to be a big part of this game. And that's another wrinkle on top of that, that the, the interior of this line, even though overall it's a very good pass protecting unit, the tackles are good. They don't give up easy pressures that interior. I think that could be a weak point that Penn state can hammer routinely. If they, if they have, especially at home when uh, you know, the crowd's a factor false starts, bad snaps, all these things are on the table based on what I saw in the weather at Wisconsin. Going to be a weather game again this week, too. Yep. What, uh, what about the other side of the ball? What, what, what does Penn State's offense need to be uh, concerned with? What, is, what does Maryland seem to do well? Um, they are more than the sum of their parts. It, it kind of, I don't have a great read on the defense because you know, I'm always wanting to watch more film and I don't always get to it because of the other parts of our job. Um, so I, I, I don't feel as confident on my read of this team, but instead of being the team that's hyper aggressive and playing man coverage, they have completely changed what they do. They are much more, uh, playing coverage. So heavy two safeties deep, keeping a lid on everything and, uh, playing cover two, uh, well, three, cover four, and then getting aggressive when they want to get pressure. So one thing I, I, confident in is they do not have a star pass rusher they don't really have a guy on the defensive line that's going to get consistent pressure on the quarterback their abdul carter is jay sean barham who recruiting fans know because penn state really wanted him uh in the class of 22 so he's their freshman linebacker good player strong against the run good instincts uh i think he was a former high school defensive end as well so he's a good blitzer. He's one of their best pass rushers and tackles for loss, all that stuff. But, you know, he's not the starter. The other linebackers that they cycle in, they're good. The defensive line, kind of what they've been historically, uh, typically a three down front, nose tackle, two defensive tackles, you know, the the five techniques playing inside shade on the tackle, and they want to stop the run. So I do think that through size and some numbers, this could be a game that Penn State struggles to run the football, especially with the left side being in question. Yeah. Um, that being said, I think we got to give credit to Bryce Effner, who's been a good run blocker this year. I think he's been a better run blocker at times than Caden Wallace. So if you're down to just one guy who, you know, at left tackle is new, then there's a good opportunity for Penn State to break some plays. But uh, this is not Indiana. <laughs> they don't struggle to tackle the same way, although they will miss some tackles. And, yeah. uh, and the secondary good players again, I, you know, this is where I wish I get, uh, had done more before we talked about this. I didn't see any superstars, but I could just be missing some things. There's always things you miss, um, but they can, they're beatable, you know, like you can put yeah. points up on this defense, but you do have to execute and win those assignments more so than they're going to make huge mistakes that give you wide open plays. So let's, uh, let's do it. Let's, let's wrap this up. Um, yeah. Where where do you uh, where do you see this one going? What's your prediction for this game? And then I'll give mine, and we can wrap it up. Um, so this is this is the problem I have is that you know, and this is gonna get I'm gonna flip back a little bit. I apologize because Talia Tungavaloa. One of the things that I've liked about him throughout his career is that he's aggressive. He's willing to risk it to put the ball down into second windows downfield. And that's where James Franklin's talked about being a better decision maker. Accuracy improving is 
on those plays, he was just a hair off early in his career. And that led to the games against Iowa with all the interceptions this year. I don't see that as much, you know, it is more selective, but I don't think it's necessarily helping the overall cause. Um, So the aggressiveness, how he's able to escape and keep his eyes downfield is going to determine this game. Cause if he can do that and, and forces Penn state to cover for four or five seconds, even with a good secondary, that's going to be an issue. Yeah. So keeping him contained and quarterback contained has been an issue for this team. That's the wild card to me, his health and how that affects that part of his game, that and the screens, that's the ball game to me. Um, and I'm coming back to the offense. I've decided I'm going to trust them to put <laughs> up 30 points. I've just, that sure? is now my stack, my, my status quo. Yeah. So I think what it was this week was 35, 21 in our official prediction. So that's what I'm going with. Gotcha. Yeah. No, I about you. I, no, I have uh, I have thirty one sixteen. I think that you know, just can, Penn State's uh, defense remains very good. I think, and so teams when they do get to the red zone, and I do think that Maryland m- may be able to move the ball with some level of proficiency. Yeah. I just think it's going to be tough for those to to turn into touchdowns. Um, you know, it just it seems like that's been the case all season, and I don't necessarily anticipate that changing, even if they're missing some pieces there on the defensive side of the ball. So 31, yeah. 16. Uh, yeah. Last thoughts, final, <laughs> final thoughts. Where, where do you, uh, something popped in know? my head. I, I just, I've got more, I got more to vomit out here. Give um, it to me. Yeah. Maryland's offensive line. They're, they're trying to run the ball more this year. They're trying to be more balanced and take some of this off of Tunga Valoa's shoulders. They're the running backs are good. The offensive line is not a great run blocking unit. So I think that this is another day that as long as Penn State tackles, they're going to control the line of scrimmage because they're active. They're aggressive. This scheme can do more than Indiana. So they can make Penn State exchange gaps and be wrong. They do have that part of them, but I don't know that they're so proficient at it that they're going to get Penn State and and Penn State for the by the way. They really improved since the Michigan game with that particular thing, but yep. it is on the table. Everyone's tried it since then, except for Indiana, because they just physically can't change their scheme. Like they just they're incapable of doing anything different. Um, so that's that's another part that I'm looking at. But I I'm pretty confident that Penn State's going to be able to control that part. Uh, so that's my last thought. How about yep. you? No, I just I, I'm going to be interested to see what what you know how these look like injuries uh, people don't like to ignore for some reason it seems to be part of the the psyche of fandom to just assume that the next guy whoever the next guy is will not be a massive drop off and that's just not reality all the time right like yeah. there's, there's starters are starters for a reason and sometimes depending on when it happens in the season, where it happens on the field, it, it just, it can take a wide ranging um, impact, right. In, in terms yeah. of what happens to, to Penn state's identity, what they want to do, what the defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, all those guys feel comfortable with. It just, it's just a, a domino effect of, of how Penn state looks at when those things happen. And, and especially in a situation like this, where it's not just one guy. Right. Like if you, if you lose one player here, one player there, yeah, sometimes you can, you can hide that and erase that and make up for it. But um, it just, it does seem to me as though Penn state is dealing with uh, a a rash of things right now, uh, which would lead me, you know, again, uh, 
it would lead me to believe that maybe this one is a little bit uglier than than Penn State fans would necessarily enjoy. So this is why we always go an hour when you and I talk because yeah, no, you just up. you triggered something that I wrote already at bluewhiteillustrated.com that you can uh, anyone can read. It's a, the, in the depth chart talking about how the tight ends and receivers and how they've used those over the course of the year have changed. And it's like, just go check it out there. Cause you know, we've, we've talked for enough here <laughs> and you need to go to the site, sign up for uh, $10 and get from now until football season uh, for premium access. But anyone can read the depth chart, share it with your friends. So everyone knows that JB Nelson is now number 56. And, uh, and, and we've got that information for you on lockdown. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. That is Nate Bauer. We're done today on the BWI Daily Edition. Best bets, recruiting information. It is going to be a heavy show coming up tomorrow on the Friday edition. We didn't get to our Tuesday recruiting show. We are going to get to that information on Friday with Ryan. So make sure you subscribe, download, rate, review, five stars on Apple Podcasts, all that stuff. I know that this postscript you're not listening to, but it is very important for you to help us out. And uh, it is the one thing we ask of you other than, you know, subscribing everywhere that we do things. So we'll be back tomorrow. uh, And until then, we'll talk to you later. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.